you know, one of the questions I tell kids when they ask me is, why do you love football so much? I go, it's because it's done so much in my life. I mean, I went to college and because of it. I have my job because of it. I met my wife because of it. I have my kids because of it. Um, so, I mean, that, that's why I'm, I love the sport so much and so thankful for it. All right, it is episode 58 of Yellow Colored Glasses, and we've got an awesome guest on this week, and it is Coach Hamilton, our high school football coach here at Pleasant Hill, and we're excited to have him on. This is one that I've actually been wanting to do for quite a while, just haven't haven't really asked you, and then you haven't had time um, with, with everything that's going on and everything you got going on. So anyway, super stoked to have him on um, real quick. Whenever we start these, we always like to go through and say like a peak and a pit, okay? And a peak is like what's going on, like what's going good. Pit obviously is what's going a little bit poor. And so sometimes I don't have a great pit, but I'm pretty sure you have a good a good uh, peak from what's going on. So anyway, tell us what's going on with you, that, that the peak and a pit piece. Uh, you know, I mean, <clears throat> we're obviously started the season three and zero, but I mean that that's some carryover too from what's been going on here. I think the last three or four years, um, in terms of our kids buying into what we're trying to do, um, off season wise, schematically, you know, everything. Um, and we got great numbers in grades nine through twelve, seven through twelve. I mean, we have one hundred forty kids in seven through twelve football playing for the school right now, and um, our kids are doing a really really good job of working hard and. Um, doing exactly what we ask of them, and we demand a lot of them. Um, I believe you have to demand a lot of them to have success, and those kids are learning those things along the way too. In terms of, hey, it's hard, you know, and life's hard. And, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot going well right now. We, we feel really good about where we're at with our kids. So we're coming. So we're week three. Oh, just finished week three. You had a big, a big one on well Friday night. Tell us a little bit about that one. What, what happened Friday night? Um, man, that, when I got here, I didn't realize how big of a rivalry that was. And, um, I didn't realize how lopsided it was for a long period of time. And, you know, our kids being able to go out and get the third one in a row last Friday um, was a big deal to our kids. And, you know, you've probably seen some of the pictures of the coaches with NWO shirts on. <laughs> I did. Um, that was our theme of the week with the kids was, you know, in, in order to truly change this thing, and create a new world order. We had to beat them a third time. You know, talk about our kids buying into something, man. They they ate that up all week long. And um, you know, we went out, and it's one of those games to where both teams are going to make mistakes because it's a rivalry. And you know, in the end, I thought it was the team that made the less mistakes that won. But it was it was physical. Uh, we're a little dinged up and got to heal up a little bit this week. Um, we're going to do some things to help with that a little bit. But it's a really fun football game. You know, and our defense is tough and. Offensively, we replaced ten starters from last year, and they're, sure. they're coming along. I mean, we've we've made some mistakes. We put the ball on the ground ten times in three games, but you know we've also scored sixty points week two, forty six week one, and another twenty eight this week. So they're coming along. And as soon as we clean up all those other mistakes, I think we're going to be pretty scary. For sure. No, it's been it's been awesome to watch. And I want to kind of go back in time a little bit here. So you're in your four, this is your fourth season, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So where where did you where did you get your start? Like what where was your start in coaching? Um, take us a little bit of the history before you got here to Pleasant Hill. Okay, um, football's been a big part of my life. You know, I, I'm thankful for a lot of things football's given me. Um, I went to Odessa High School and 
Um, we had some success there when I was in high school, and it was a lot of fun. And I went on to play college football, Central Methodist. And you know, one of the questions I tell kids when they ask me is, "Why do you love football so much?" I go, "It's because it's done so much in my life." I mean, I went to college, and because of it, I have my job because of it. I met my wife because of it. I have my kids because of it. Um, so I mean, that's that's why I'm, I love the sport so much, and so thankful for it. Um, but out of college, I got hired at Belton. Um, in 2007, um, that was my first year coaching. Um, coached running backs that year. That was new to me, being a lineman my whole life. But it forced me to get outside my comfort zone and learn um, as a coach. And um, we happened to go to the state championship that year. And our head football coach looked at me and goes, "This doesn't happen every year." Um, but I was there for 13 years. Um, I spent time as a running backs coach, the O line coach. I coached D line. I coached linebackers. Um, finished my last three years as defensive coordinator there before I got hired here. Um, I'm a pretty loyal guy. I, I don't like jumping a lot of schools. I, I like being where I'm at. So I so was there 13 years. Um, worked for Todd Vaughn my last six and very good mentor to me um, in terms of being the head football coach and did a lot for me to help me progress my career. But ultimately, he knew I wanted to be a head football coach, but not – at a school the size of Belton, you know, something the size of Pleasant Hill and Odessa, and that's that's where I wanted to end at as a head coach, as a school that size, because I grew up in a school that size and saw what football does for the whole town, um, and I want my my own kids to experience that. So um, I always kept my eye open for this job. Um, I always thought it was a good one, um, and it kind of opened up at the right time, and it was the right time for us to try to make that choice and that decision, and it just worked out from there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I want to kind of piggyback off of what you just said on the schools this size and what it does for the town. And I didn't, I didn't play football in high school. Um, I was just basketball. And I remember, you know, the guys that were above me. I remember the the kids in my class. We had some, we had some good, some some good teams. And football, my whole life in Pleasant Hill has always been important. But with that being said, it feels totally different now. Right, and even from the the ground up, it, it just something seems different, and I think that's a lot to do with you and kind of what's happening with with the youth programs, um, the things that you're doing at at all levels. So, you know, we talk about the the culture word gets thrown around all the time. Everybody talks about culture. Okay, so take us through what what kind of your philosophy and and, and building a program because clearly, like. I don't feel like the success that you guys had last year, obviously the semifinal, you know, appearance. I don't feel like that there's any kind of drop off coming. It doesn't look like it from everything that I'm seeing through the, the little league and the kids that are coming through. So talk about kind of your philosophy on building your program and what you're doing to kind of feed that pipeline. Um, you know, pro- program wide, it, one, it's about doing what's best for kids. I mean, and I, I don't care what the decisions around. And, you know, I tell my coaches all the time, I said, we're never going to do what's best for us. We're going to do what's best for kids. Um, and we got great numbers out. And I think you have to be able to do that in order, in order to have some success. And I think the impact football has on those kids' lives, you know, there's kids who need football more than football needs them sometimes. And um, being able to get those kids out and change their lives. But once again, my biggest, one of my biggest pieces my, is never, we don't ever give up on a kid. And the reason I say that, their body changes from – there may be a kid who's a backup or third-string offensive lineman as a seventh grader, and his body changes by his junior or senior year, and he's where he wants to be. And it started in the weight room for us. You know, I got hired during COVID. 
Um, so that was kind of tricky. We did a lot of stuff outside, but that toughness, the camaraderie, you know, those kids going through all that stuff at the same time together is kind of where this started, I feel like. Um, and, you know, year two, we went two and eight that first year, and I felt like we made progress. You know, mm-hmm. and I tell our kids all the time, I said, I don't think we're where we're at without that two and eight season that first year um, because we were playing our best football at the end of the year, even then, and that's our ultimate goal. But um, had a great off season the year after that, um, headed into year two, and the I'll never forget that season. Uh, we were seven and six, won a district title, but the way we won football games, um, won them late, outlasted teams. Um, and, you know, after we beat Boonville week one that year, we were down 28 to eight, beating 43 to 35. Our kids right then, it clicked that, hey, yeah, off season, what we do in terms of our off season program matters. Um, <clears throat> and it's not hard to motivate our kids to be there. Um, because of that season and you know you, you see it on Friday nights we we wear people down um, and our kids are in great shape and work class three class four school this year who play kids on one side of the football which is unseen too um, but our lower levels are starting to implement that you know we've had coaches clinics with our youth coaches um, our sixth grade team I went out and watched them play yesterday they're running our stuff um, second and third graders are going to be tough to ask to run that type of stuff, but they're they're calling plays the way we call plays. Um, their plays are different because those kids aren't ready to run what we run, but the way they send in the play, the play call, um, all those things, and that coaches clinic is only going to continue to grow. We've done that for two years now. And, um, I was talking to the Parks Rec with flag football. Our goal is to get those coaches involved in it next year as well um, and get all facets of that program. And, you know, now it's feeding into the middle school to where we got 65 7th and 8th graders out Gosh, dang. in middle school football this year. Um, and it's not going to shrink because our current 6th grade team, I think, has 41 or 42 kids on it. And, you know, there's 30-plus 7th graders, so that's going to put us at 70 if all those kids stay out next year. And, you know, like I said, one thing we have to preach to our kids is because if you're not where you're at right now, just keep trusting the process and you'll be where you want to be. Um, by the time your sophomore, junior, senior year rolls around. Um, and, you know, we try to build character. You, if people seen our kids rolling around town with their white T-shirts on, you know we got four things we believe in, um, and that's accountability, communication, toughness, and trust, and that's written all over our shirts. Um, you know, we define each one of those things with our kids and want them to understand that those things are – make you successful in life, not just football. And that's when they get out of here. You know, winning games is great. But hopefully by the time it's all said and done, they're out of here, they're better men and they're better prepared for what's going to hit them in life um, later on down the road. And we preach those things all summer long. We define them. We talk about them. They hear them every day. They're on everything we wear. And and I tell our kids, I said, those are the things when things aren't going right that you got to fall back on. Um, even on Friday nights at home, you know, if you're going through something, those are things they have to fall back on. <clears throat> Man, that's awesome stuff. No, and something that you said quite a while back that I think is really, I don't know, it's really cool. And, and I, it, it resonates with me because of, of Macklin. Um, when you said, you know, you never give up on a kid and their bodies change constantly, you know, my, I got, you know, my two little guys and their size difference is mm-hmm. very, you know, there's a big discrepancy. And so I'm already looking at the future of like, okay, Macklin loves everything. He loves to play everything, but he's going to be little for a while, mm-hmm. right? And so 
when you're talking about how kids change and their bodies change and the development piece of everything, I think that is so, so, so important. And you can, I mean, I, I know that there's guys in the program that um, whenever I was still there that were freshmen that were tiny, tiny, tiny to kids in the, that I had in middle school too that I never would have thought that they would have had the role and the impact that they had their senior year. Maybe they didn't touch the field, and then all of a sudden their senior year, they had a big, I mean, they had a big, big role. So how do you keep those kids positive and sticking with it? I mean, because obviously the everything you're saying about the development and the trust and the culture and um, all that stuff is huge, but how do you keep them bought in whenever you have the numbers that you have, whenever you have so much talent kind of through it? How do you, how do you keep those guys and say, hey, you know what, you're, keep going at it your senior year um you know you might you might have a shot to do something you gotta you gotta you gotta make sure the kids see it you know and talk about it and i mean you gotta have examples of it i mean I, we had one this week you know we do a rotational captain every week and uh one of our rotational captains is a freshman he's a senior this year was, was small and i mean worked and worked and worked and worked and He's having a great senior year, and it's it's been really fun to watch. But I mean, in the weight room, pound for pound, he's probably one of our strongest kids because of how small he is. But you gotta identify. You know, I give an award at our banquet at the end of the year to identify the kids who didn't play varsity as a freshman through junior and stuck it out and played their senior year. You know, last year I think we had six to seven kids that never were never a varsity starter and started as a senior. Um, this year we're gonna be very similar to that in some spots, probably five, six, seven kids. And, you know, I talk about those kids all the time with our underclassmen. Hey, you know, dirtier example, guys. You know, it may take some time to get there, but you will get there. Um, look at what this kid's done. I mean, played JV as a junior, turned around senior year last year. If it was one of the kids last year, we made the state semifinals because of it. And um, I always tell our kids, you know, if we're having to start freshmen and sophomores, we're not in a very good place. Um, in terms of programming, one, two, three, the occasional here and there. Um, but if things are being done the right way and that developmental process is going on, it's different an 18-year-old kid going against a 14-year-old freshman. Absolutely. Um, and those kids sometimes aren't physically ready um, as freshmen. Some of them great athletes, but physically don't know if they can handle it yet or not. Um, there's, the like I said, the occasional special one. Um, but you got to have a process in mind. And you know, reward your kids for their hard work and um, use the examples throughout the season of kids who've stuck through the process. You know, everybody talks about trust the process and a lot of people just say that and throw that out there. But, you know, our kids have to see it, to trust it. And I think the last two years, they've had a lot of really good examples to see that and trust it and go from there. Um, I mean, I always say for every sophomore you start, you can count that as one loss. Is kind of the thing that goes on between coaches. And I think about my first year here, we started six to seven to eight of them, we had eight losses, you know. Um, but as they get stronger and bigger and, um, you know, learn the game and get tougher and, and those things, I mean, our kids see that. And I think they believe it. And, you know, that's when I identified this kid as our rotational captain last week, I told our kids, if you need an example, you know, this is a kid that you need to use as an example. You know, our quarterback this year is the same way. He's going to be a one-year starter for us, sat behind a – really good quarterback the last two years learned did it the right way um, and you know and when you have success it obviously makes those things easier too um, when the kids see that they want to be a part of something but yeah no doubt so, and that so 
with that being said too i think something that's really also very very important and i didn't realize this whenever i was younger i actually didn't really i didn't really didn't fully understand it until I got out of education and started a business mm-hmm. running a business and building a team of people and hiring people and the day-to-day and all that stuff is so similar to running a program no doubt it is i mean they're you can take pieces of it, it, it all just it matches up perfectly and one of the things i think that a lot of people struggle with and i know i was horrible at this my first when i very first got into you know coaching and got my first head coaching job was delegating and giving up control and i know i know all the kids love playing for you um but with that being said all the coaches that you have love coaching on your staff and they enjoy being they think you do an amazing job so Talk me through or talk us through how you delegate and what you, the, the role that you put on your coaches um, to make your life easier, right? Like yeah. to, to make you less stressed because it, it takes everybody. So kind of what's your process with how you handle your coaches or not your coaches, but as you're, you're, you know, in your guys' program, what do you guys do? Well, I'm glad you brought that up too because, I mean, I wanted to make sure I said that I got a great staff. Um, you know, they're committed, they're loyal. Um, and they work really, really, really hard, and they care about kids, and that's the most important thing to me is um, do they care about kids. Um, and, you know, year one coming in here, I inherited some, but I knew a lot of the staff too. Already, sure. You know, coaches, clinics, networking, those types of things. And um, One thing, and this is where my previous mentor, Todd Von Belton, you know, comes into play was, you know, I kind of got to watch him do that and learn from him and, you know, you got to let your coaches coach. If you try to do it all by yourself, you're going to fail. Um, you're going to fail. Now, with those guys, it's also your job to teach them. Mm-hmm. You know, here's how I want it done. Here's what we want to do. And, um, you got to be able to put in the time on the front end with those guys. Um, and it's no different than, you know, we talk about developing kids. Yep. Um, and I have some pretty experienced coaches, and, you know, there's four of us that have been through this thing since I've been here and you know we've kind of filled some other spots here and there and um, there's four of us who you know we just know the way each other thinks already um, and then you know when we get some new guys in it's you got to develop them you know I got, got a new young coach this year and he's doing a really good job he's high energy um, but it's my job to make sure he's prepared to do what I ask him to do um, I think it's also my job you know if our, our coaches have goals to be a head coach or a coordinator or something to help them get there. Um, and, you know, that goes back to, like I said, I think we trust each other. Um, but we sit down meet at, at, in the off season. I mean, we people don't see the hours that go into it when it's not football season either. Mm-hmm. We put a ton of hours in during football season, but when it's not football season, um, we go through – I mean, I have a very detailed sheet. Those coaches get here, your responsibilities. I'm not going to say anything to you unless it doesn't get done, and that's the only time um, – all those things get done um, but it's a developmental process with them it's us getting used to working with each other um, you know and I think it, as a leader of a business or a head football coach like you said but very similar things you got to have expectations um, and I got guys on my staff who've heard the same expectations for four years but the way we start every season is we sit down and we go through those expectations um, how we treat kids how we talk to parents, relationships with each other as coaches, you know, um, how we act during practice, how what how practice needs to be ran, um, and be professional about it. 
mm-hmm. you know, and through that's also the evaluation process. Um, I, I would like, you know, most of my closest friends are football coaches and they're guys I have on staff. But we sit down at school at the end of every season and go through the evaluation process and talk about, hey, here's where I feel like you need to improve. Here's things I'd like to see different. And I've never had an evaluation that I've had to give to where I'm like, okay, we got to make a change. But more or less gives us a chance to talk professionally and, hey, here's what I would like to see different, you know, in a one-on-one setting. Um, and I also give them the opportunity to have a form they fill out to evaluate me in the program because um, I want their thoughts as well. Um, so that, that's kind of how we work as a staff. Um, you know, I have an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Um, I ran the defense my first year and then, you know, realized there were some guys I could trust to do that. And what that allows me to do is focus on our culture, you know, focus on the, on the things that I think matter. Whereas if you're trying to run one side of the ball, you can still do that, but it's a little more difficult to do. Um, I, can, I can see all facets of the program versus if I was to run the defense, that's where my focus is. And, you know, our offensive coordinator is doing his thing while I'm doing mine. And But having guys I can trust allows me to de- develop the culture a little bit, maintain where we're at there. Yeah, no, and I think the I think the main thing I see from everything that you're saying um, is the consistency. Like, I know, like, none of the things that you're saying are just, you're just throwing them out there and they're yeah. just things that are spoken. Like, everything that you're talking about are the things that you see day in and day out. Um, and I know, like, I know Coach Thompson, he's – He's the OC, mm-hmm. and my last or my year that uh, right before you came on was my last year, and I remember how practices were ran um, and the efficiency and the flow. Is it pretty similar still to kind of how you know you everything everything is always scripted out, right? You've got yeah. your practice plan, and you guys stick to that. Talk about how how the consistency that you guys have within your program, not just with the way you coach your coaches and the kids, but how important is that to to the level of success that you guys are having? Because I feel like I feel like the consistency is the hardest thing to maintain sometimes in everything that we do. It is, and I feel like you guys are doing a really good job with that. Like, what walk me through that process? I think it goes back to what the what standards you hold kids to, um, and you know, with high school kids, I think you have to be consistent. Um, that's what I tell our coaches. Our kids need to know what to expect from us every day as coaches. Attitude, how we talk to them, how we coach them, and be consistent with it. Um, you know, it's not always sunshine and rainbows like I mm-hmm. tell kids. I said, we're going to push you, we're going to be hard on you, but the kids need to know to expect that, and it's not just random. You know, the consistency with how we practice, you know, and you brought that up. Um, I don't know how practices went before I got here, but with 80 kids and eight coaches, um, we're, we're able to – I think this is a big development piece I should have talked about earlier is we split our kids up into two groups. Um, We have kind of what we consider our varsity group. um, And then we have our freshman group um, and some of our JV kids and some of those JV kids kind of overlap between groups. Um, Ideally, I'd like for it to just be junior, seniors, freshmen, sophomores. Um, And last year, that's the way it was because we had so many seniors. This year, we have a few sophomores up in that varsity group. But our young kids get the same amount of reps as our older kids do. Um, a lot of schools we play, those young kids are standing around or they're playing scout team. Um, we, While our varsity kids are practicing offense, our young kids are practicing defense, and they're running our stuff. They're not running some other school stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done that now for three years, and I think that's a big part of the developmental piece too is they're running our stuff for an entire year. And then by the time they're in that bar, they, they know and we're just going. 
Um, but that's the consistency piece. You know, you talk about um, our kids know what practice is going to be like. We practice fast. We fly around. Um, and it's we spend no more than 10 minutes in a session. You know, we, we go 10 minutes of this, and then we're moving on to the next thing because you got to keep it moving. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you go 20, 30 minutes, they're going to stay in there. It's, it's going to start to wall. Um, we're constantly moving our kids around. And, I mean, when they're done with practice, they're tired. But – they've gotten done what they need to get done i don't know if that quite answers your question no it does but uh, no and i think that's just that's just so important and and there's been so many things just from just from that one year that i was able to coach varsity football like i was not i i had coached middle school you know i know football a little bit but i don't i'm not nearly the level that all you guys are but it related so much to basketball too um that I think sometimes that we that, that I didn't realize was just that the, the way that practices can pl- be planned and and organized and you know Coach Van Dyne always he one of his things that he always talked about was you know he would stick to his his schedule no matter what mm-hmm. and because if if, if you got to spend more time on it than you got planned mm-hmm. you're probably not going to get much better at that day anyway like yep. make more time for it tomorrow right. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the other things that you said, this is going back to playing uh, just on one side of the ball. Mm-hmm. That's something, like you said, that's not really normal at this size of school, or it hasn't been. And I think that that was – I noticed that last year. Like, you only had a couple guys that, that you play both ways, and it's only when, when you really kind of need it or mm-hmm. you need that. So, similar this year, right? Yeah. How big of an advantage is that? With what you guys are doing, because you mentioned wearing people down, I th- I've noticed that too. Yeah, um, it's close. It's close. It's close. Boom! All of a sudden, dang, they're the, the other team gassed. They're done. Yeah. What's the philosophy there? I mean, do you feel like that's just we are? I mean, our kids believe in it. You know, they love it, um, and that's one of the things. Is, you know, talk about making it fun for kids. That's part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, is how do we make it fun for kids? But our tempo um, on offense is as soon as the ball set, we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and defense has had a hard time getting lined up. Coaches struggle to get calls in defensively. I mean, you're going to slow blitzes down. You're going to slow down substitutions on defense, and they're going to have to keep the same kids out there. Um, and the schools we play, I mean, if we take what we have with – and I'm a big believer in, you know, for example, we had a couple receivers last year who could have probably started a corner for us. But as that kid – completely exhausted from playing offense as good as a kid who may not be quite the athlete they were, but they're fresh, you know, um, to be able to play defense. Um, I think a lot of times that kid being fresh outweighs putting the better athlete out there who's gassed, you know, Mm -hmm. because when you get gassed, it affects you not just physically, but mentally as well, where if you're fresh, you're on point mentally and you can get lined up and know what your job is and execute it. um, So that's kind of the philosophy we've led with and, with our offense being tempo the way it is, those kids do. Our kids do get tired, but then while our defense is on the field, they're getting a break because they're not playing defense. And we mm-hmm. go back out there and we do the same thing. And a lot of, I mean, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to play a school that has seven or eight guys who play both ways. Um, and the way we do things is one us football games. Um, just that alone, I think. Um, especially a couple of years ago when we were able to do it. And you know, like I said, we've had two to three kids that have had that have gone on the other side of the ball at times the last couple of years. This year, we really only got one who's doing that right now. Um, but it also has you have to have your philosophies align. You know, defensively, our philosophy the last couple of years has been hey, bend it but don't break. Make the offense drive the field. A high school offense is typically 
going to make a mistake if they had to run 14, 15 plays to score a touchdown. Um, so it's always run another play. Make them run another play. You know, they bust off a 30-yard run, pursue to it, make the tackle, but you don't know what's going to happen on the mm-hmm. next play. Are they going to fumble? Are they going to snap the ball over the quarterback's head? Are they going to throw an interception? And, and that aligns with what we do offensively. You know, we're going to go, 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 and hopefully score. Now, hey, make them drive the field and make a mistake. Versus, you know, like we played um, Harrisonville last Friday. You know, I think I think their philosophy is aligned. Their defense is going to be aggressive. They're going to blitz and they're going to hope that, hey, we're going to make a big play on defense. If we don't and you score, that's all right. Our offense is going to get the ball back and we're going to take seven, eight minutes off the clock. Um, those philosophies align. Um, but you got to make sure, I think, your offense, defense philosophies mesh together and play off of each other a little bit versus just that side of the ball. And, um, and our, our kids learn more faster. They all practice both sides of the ball. We don't have the depth to be able to just say, hey, this is all you're practicing every day. Um, they have to practice both sides of the ball. But on, when Friday nights roll around, we're going to play as many kids one way as we can that we feel like can handle them. Yeah, and that's awesome. And I think that that goes with what you were talking, what we were talking about earlier when I asked about those kids that develop later. That gives them the ability to, yep. to be on the field. Absolutely. And there's two games that I remember from that seven and six year that, that jump out to me. And the first one, I think, was Boonville, the one when you guys came back. Were you guys playing people both sides of the ball that night and wearing them down? Because I feel like you guys kind of wore them down in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, we did. We, I mean, we, we were playing one way. Um, that was one. And then that Harrisonville game that year was crazy. That was that third place, <laughs> right? Yep. And, it, like, we were up. We were up, you know, by a, a, a one or two scores. Mm-hmm. Have a big interception, I think, right before halftime. They come out. They go up like forty two twenty eight in the fourth, yep. and then you guys come back and end up beating them forty nine forty two. Yeah, like that was another example. I felt like of just just sticking with it, sticking with it, sticking with it, and you know that kind of stuff paid off. And I know there were a lot of games that year where, like you said, were so close and winning yeah. games at the end and just battles. Which then when you got the districts, it, it, it yeah. paid off. Teachable so. moments, man. I mean, that's what everybody looks at. We went for two against Excelsior Springs that year and didn't get in the loss. But the fact that we went for it and helped us win district short around because we went for two against Odessa and got it and won. Yeah. You know, late in the game. All those teachable moments throughout the year, you know, carry over. No, that, that, yeah, that's awesome. So let me ask you this. This will be the last thing. We'll, we'll finish it up. But, like, have you had any, has there been any negatives to the one side of the ball thing? Like, is our kids that are like, man, coach, I really, I, I, does the, do they just fully buy in or are there kids that are like, man, I, I really wish I was playing in this position on offense and defense? I, it, do you struggle with that at all, or is it pretty smooth? It's, I think, you know, the first first year or two, um, for them to get used to it, I, th- I think there were some kids, um, and rightfully so. I mean, I was in high school. I, wanted, I, I played both play ways, and time. I wanted to. I didn't yeah. want to come off the field. And, you know, there's kids who mention it and things, but I think they are f- pretty much fully bought into what we're doing now. Um, you know, like I said, it, all it takes is one or two injuries sometimes, and then we are two kid playing both ways yeah. sometimes. Um, but – no, I think that's just the natural of a high school kid. You know, no complaints about it from them. I mean, no no issues, I think. Um, but they understand kind of where they're at and where they fit into what we do. I mean, we had a couple of receivers out sick this week in practice, so one of our starting corners filled in a receiver. He's good. I mean, if we have to play him, he'll be fine. Um, but our goal is to keep those kids as fresh as we can um, because we feel like we're going to outlast you most of the time. Yeah, no, and I remember too. Like I think it might have been last year, really maybe the last couple of years. But you guys had a running back that ran the ball a lot. Yep. And I think most people's thoughts were, uh, 
you know, this kid's getting the ball a lot, right? But this whole playing on one side, that gave you the ability to let him let him let him do his yeah. job, let him pound the ball on offense. He's getting a ton of rest on the defensive end. Yep. You still got your other, you know, your other guy that you still have now that was coming in to spell him when when needed. I don't know, it's just awesome. I'm love it. Obviously the community is excited, the the camp, you know, the way that you guys run your, your youth camp um in the summer, um, all the things that are going on, the buy in. Like I said, football's always been important in Pleasant Hill, but it just has a different it just has a different feel now. Like I, I don't know if you you may not realize that, but everything's it's going off. So you're doing a great job, so I appreciate it. What do you what do you feel like the the rest of the year, the the rest of the season? I mean, what you guys are off to the three and zero start. Yeah. Was that expected? Was that kind of like uh, maybe? You know, it's it was kind of wait and see. You know, we because we did have a lot to replace for sure um, from last year, and I, and I thought we were going to be fine. Was, hey, let's just kind of see where we're at heading to the year. And, you know, rely on our defense early and our offense will come around. And, you know, there's still mistakes being made. But, um, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I thought the Harrisonville win was a big win for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't quite sure how that night was going to go. Um, you know, even during the off season when I talked to, you know, guys who run websites and high school sports reporters, you know, they always kind of ask us, who do you see competing for a conference title? And, you know, I never talk about us in that conversation. But uh, I'd say, I go, I think Harrisonville is going to be – putting up a fight for that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, and I still think they got the opportunity to do that. You know, they've had a tough first three-week schedule. Um, but in terms of working towards a conference title, that was a big win for us. Um, Oak Grove's better this year. They're 3-0. and Odessa's 3-0, and and they both play each other this week. Um, we play Odessa in two weeks. So, the conference is a, is a grind for us because everybody plays so physical. Um, How's so, center? Are they good this year? Um, you know, they lost quite a bit to graduation last year. They had a lot of seniors. I think right now they are one and two. Um, they beat St. Joe Lafayette week one and have lost to Lincoln Prep. And uh, they lost to Oak Grove this week. Okay. So, um, yeah, they graduated a lot. I mean, um, I think. And then the one kid who was supposed to return transferred to another school. Um, so, but our conference, like I said, it's a grind. And you got to be ready to go every week. And, you know, you hear the guys in the NFL when the – they played 16 games. They look at it every four weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, during the regular season, that's kind of where we're at. We evaluate every three weeks and kind of see, hey, here's where we're at. What changes do we need to make moving forward? And um, you know, we're in conference play here on out till week nine, and um, some of those changes have started to be made already. Um, we talked about them after the game got over on Friday, but uh, but it's gonna. I mean, it truly is one and zero, one week at a time here. Absolutely. Um, one thing we haven't done in the last two years is win a conference title, and um, we'd really like to be able to do that. That's that's a goal our kids have this year. So, and and you guys bumped up a class too. So you're in the yeah. district. Is you got Jeff City in there, right? Yep, Jeff City and Warrensburg, Warrensburg, Van Horn, um, Osage, Marshall. It's a little bit different look for, for Pleasant Hill than we yeah. haven't seen that before. So yeah, but no, it should be exciting. Um, Anyway, Coach, thanks for coming on. Um, glad we got to chat a little bit. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, we'll post this up and throw some clips. And um, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yep, thank and you. if you guys are watching it, thank you. Um, thanks for watching the podcast. It's 58 in a row, so still, still doing them. All right, everybody have a good one.